0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: What's going on, DMV? How's everybody doing tonight? 106.7 The Fan is on your AM FM dial, and it's on the Odyssey app. Also on our stream at thefandc.com. And however you're tuned in tonight, we appreciate you hanging out with us for just a little bit. Happy Friday. My name is Danny Noakes, our guy Denton Day here producing the show. He's in the studio MGM National Harbor Listener Line is going to be open tonight, and I want to hear from you guys. 800-636-1067 because, well, there's a pretty big story that's been brewing now for a couple of months, even a couple of years, depending on how far back you'd like to look at it. With everything going on with Juan Soto and the Washington Nationals, we will certainly spend a good bit of our conversation tonight talking about everything that has to do with the Nats. And Juan Soto. But we're taking you right up into Nationals pregame coverage. Nats on deck is at 9-10 with Charlie and Dave. And first pitch out in Arizona against the Diamondbacks at 9-40. You heard Craig Heist give you all the details. So the Nats are back in action after a little bit of an all-star break. And... Well, it's been as dramatic an all-star break for the Nats as certainly I can remember, even going back to 2018 when they hosted the all-star game. And Bryce Harper won the home run derby on what was also expected to be his last year. You know, it's kind of weird how many similarities there are to that situation, but also many differences. And, And I think the differences are the key there because this is not going to play out the same way that it did with Bryce Harper. So once again, 800-636-1067. Great way to get in touch with us is through the MGM National Harbor listener line. You can also hit us up on Twitter. You can tweet me directly. I'm at Danny Noakes. You can tweet the station as well at 1067thefan. Coming up next, 645, we're going to stay in Major League Baseball, and we're going to be joined by Matt Weirich, who is a Nationals writer for the NBC Sports Washington. Looking forward to chatting with Matt getting his thoughts as the Nats, again, get ready to start the second half of the season. And it's Patrick Corbin on the bump, a 4-12 and record, 5.87 ERA. Do I really need to go down the numbers for the year that Patrick Corbin has had? I, I don't think so. He's going to go up against Zach Gallen for the Diamondbacks. But the only thing that matters right now is the fate of Juan Soto. Let's be honest, right? This is going to be an open forum, an open and honest show. Who cares? what the results of the game is tonight. Okay, The Nats are no more are, than an embarrassment on the field this year. And if they aren't careful, they're going to become a complete embarrassment and disaster off the field as well. So the discussions around Soto, whether or not he's going to be traded, whether or not he's even willing to stay in D.C., it's going to be here for at least the next couple of weeks. But we don't know if he's actually going to get dealt this year. There's been a lot of different pieces of information that have been flying around. And I'm going to pull throughout the show from different things that we've heard throughout the week. Some of them have come from staff members here at 106.7 The Fan, like Grant Paulson, who obviously works with the MLB Network, has a lot of great insight and insider information, had a lot of conversations over in L.A. during this All-Star break. And you know, one of the things that I saw Grant say yesterday was that the learners don't necessarily seem to be willing to sign off on a deal before the trade deadline. And and that's kind of how I felt. I don't necessarily see the deal happening this year. And so the other part of this is the baseball people in the building, like Mike Rizzo, the general manager who are generally making the baseball decisions, they do want to trade Soto now. And you've heard this from every host on this station today. The reason, the, the best reason you have to trade him now is that it allows you to maximize the return on giving him up, right? So that was what Grant Paulson had to say. He had some great conversations out there at the All-Star game. It's 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 interesting to say the least, right? But to me, it's it's hard to end up trading him this year. Not in 2022, you go to 2023. I've got several reasons to to lay out exactly why it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And you might disagree. That's fine. By all means, disagree with me and tell me why. But it's a it's a fundamental difference in mindset i think is is where we're at here and and why i disagree with so much that's been coming out in the way that this is being handled by both sides but so the argument for trading soto you maximize the the return for him and that stems from the belief that his value is going to diminish the longer the nationals wait to trade him but see if his value is in fact going to diminish in certain people's eyes Well, that would be because, one, you trade him to another team this year, wherever he goes, that team gets the chance to make three postseason runs instead of two or one if they were to wait and to trade him before or during the 2023 season or same with the 2024 season, because Soto obviously under contract through the end of the 2024 year. But then there are also a large contingent of people, and this was me for a long time, that believe that Soto is going to free agency in 2024 no matter what. No questions asked. And that's something that Scott Boris has at least hinted at, if not directly said explicitly in the past, that Soto is going to go to free agency in 2024. But again, this is all these conflicting reports. it's, It's very difficult to keep up with sometimes. There's also been reports that if Soto gets a deal that starts with a five and the AAV is where he would like it at, that he will sign a deal before the end of the 2024 season in his in his rookie contract. So my counter to dealing him now, this season, right? And this is a fundamental difference in how players are viewed over time in Major League Baseball, right? I understand this is not how most executives think. But if you're going to tell me that Juan Soto's value is going to diminish over the next couple of years... Well, the number that he's looking for in a long-term contract isn't going to go down. (laughs) It's not going to go down. It's only going to go up. He's going to start asking for more and more money. The only thing that could actually drive his value down is if he were to have a horrible injury. You know, Knock on wood that that doesn't happen one way or another, whether he stays or not. No one wants that to happen. But he's not going to become a worse player in the next two years. But again, I, I understand that this is how... MLB owners think and this is this is generally how the business works you wait to do this sort of thing teams are going to be less willing to part with a very large haul of prospects which then that shouldn't settle for anything less in terms of getting him back but see I'm not content with just getting prospects back for him because prospects are an unknown commodity so the longer you wait to trade him yeah there is definitely a gamble there and the, the more chance if you do wait and try and sign him long-term, there's more of a chance that this ends up happening like it did with Bryce Harper in 2019, and you end up losing him for nothing. But I think it's a larger gamble, a much larger gamble, to sell off one of the best players that we've seen in a generation, a proven commodity, when you still had two and a half years left on his deal for a bunch of guys that may or may not pan out. And here's the thing. And I'm going to repeat this until, my, until your ears bleed, okay? You can give me all the prospects that you want, baby. Give me them all. That's fine. That's great. I want that big haul for Soto. You better give, them a, you better give the Nats a big haul in return. But here's the thing. We have no reason to believe that anybody they get in return is going to be here long term either. Why would there be any faith behind whatever they get in return for Soto... Be around for the long haul. Great, you have him for a rookie contract, and then you're going to let him walk out the door again, whoever the new guys are. That's, the, that's what's been established in Washington, D.C., baseball-wise. Okay, and if the learners sell the team this year, which it sounds like they're going to, maybe that mentality changes. But until it does, uh-uh. This isn't going to end well no, one way or another, no matter what you get back for them. They've screwed it up already. It's done. But see, the other part, I don't necessarily think Soto is hell bent on going to free agency. And this is more conflicting reports. If he gets that number in both the AAV and it starts with a five total, maybe he takes it. But no one knows what Juan Soto wants except for Juan Soto. Scott Boris doesn't even know what Juan Soto wants, not entirely. I don't think Juan Soto knows even what he wants, not yet boris knows the longer they wait the more money that they can probably get him and why would his motivation be anymore or anything else that's the mentality that he has shown to use throughout his career right so it's going to be a long end of the season one way or another because if The Nats don't trade Soda this year. You heard Grand Danny talking about it at at, at the end of their show. It's going to be real awkward because the Nats are going to sell off more than likely guys like Nelson Cruz and Josh Bell, maybe even Victor Robles, and some other guys that have contributed. And then you're really going to have a skeleton team that's going out there every day to finish the MLB season. And you know what? That doesn't sound very good. But I want to step aside. I want to take our first break of the evening because coming up next, I said it, Matt Weirich, Nationals writer for NBC Sports Washington, is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts on the Soto deal, what the mood has been in the clubhouse, everything that's going on, how this team is going to refocus as they do try to play some baseball games for the rest of the season because there is a good bit of baseball still to go. So stick around. We're with you up until nine ten, leading right into Washington Nationals coverage. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Danny Noakes with you this evening on 106.7 The Fan. Denton Day back in the studio producing. We're getting ready for a little Washington Nationals baseball. Nat's on deck at 9-10 with Charlie and Dave in first pitch out there in Arizona. 9.40. Patrick Corbin on the bump. He gets the start for the Nats. And we stay on the diamond as we are pleased to welcome in our first guest. It's Matt Wyrick, Nationals writer for NBC Sports Washington. You can find him on Twitter at by Matt Matt, thanks so much for the time today, man. How's everything going?
0: No problem, Danny. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but it, it feels kind of weird getting ready to watch a Nats game tonight with everything going on. I mean, the fact that they're the worst team in the league aside, something that really hasn't happened since before that first division title in 2012. But this one Soto saga continuing to move along. I got to wonder that it's a huge shadow that's cast on a Nats as a team on Soto. Himself as they try to play the second half of the season and really across Major League Baseball, is, is we kind of all wait for the chips to fall here, don't you think?
0: Absolutely. It's felt like off the field storylines have really dominated this season in a lot of ways. You know, you, we, we talked about Soto not just here with the trade deadline, but also just extension talks throughout the season, whether or not he might sign. Of course, this ongoing rebuild slash reboot, as Mike Rizzo has called it, and when the Nationals might be able to return to contention. And then there's the ownership uh, situation with the Lerner family potentially selling the team uh, as early as this fall. So overall, it has been kind of hard to focus on the product on the field, especially with just how poor it has been in a lot of areas.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing is, I don't necessarily think that that's going to change, certainly not in the next week or so. We really just have to get to that trade deadline of August 2nd to actually f- figure out if any of this is going to change. And I guess that's my next question for you. I certainly don't expect you to have all the answers to this because everybody is just trying to navigate it right now. But the way that you see it, how, how do you think this is going to shake out? Because the, the things that I'm picking up on, it definitely doesn't seem like Soto is going to be a Washington National long term, but it also doesn't necessarily feel like that the trade is going to go down this year. So I'm curious as to what you're picking up on.
0: Yeah, you know, my understanding is, you know, the Nationals aren't going to be trading Soto unless they're absolutely blown away by an offer. It's not very often, if ever, that a 23-year-old superstar of Soto's caliber is available on the market with two and a half years of control. I mean, this is just an unprecedented player to be available at the deadline, and we would expect an unprecedented package to be coming back to D.C. in return. So I'm sure there are going to be a lot of teams interested, but whether or not those teams are going to be willing to meet that asking price will be pretty significant. Uh, And then you have, of course, you know, if Soto is looking to see if if the ownership situation can be cleared up, you know, in the next couple of months and might be open to an extension, then do you wait, you know, past this off into this off season and see if he's willing to sign then once things are resolved, you know, that's going to be a major factor as well
1: it definitely will be and and that is exactly where i'll go with my next question and and again it's something that i know we're still learning more about there's just details coming out uh, pretty much every single day depending on uh what is exactly happening there but when it comes to the nationals in the lerner family and whether or not they're actually going to sell the team it, it sounds like that process is certainly moving along maybe not particularly as as quickly on the surface as it might be happening behind the scenes. I'm curious as to if you have any insight into where that process might be at right now. I've seen some things where they are targeting maybe a potential announcement around the, the fall meetings later this year. Is there anything that you could tell us? Yeah, my understanding
0: is they are hoping uh, for that November's owners meeting to have a vote on ratifying whoever the new owners are going to be. Uh, they have begun interviewing potential suitors Uh, while that process, I don't believe will be completed, uh, here in the next month or so, I do think that right by the end of the season, if not the playoffs, we might be finding out who that next owner might be, but certainly Soto's future is very much a big part of that final price tag. And I don't think we're going to have any kind of clarity on who will be the top suitors until Soto's future is determined.
1: Yeah, and, and again, it's it's just a factor that could pull the the Soto factor could be a big thing, and and who ends up becoming the next owner, we'll we'll see because there's been a lot that's come out around that as well. We're talking with Matt Weirick of NBC Sports Washington. He's a writer covers the Nationals. You can find him on Twitter at by Matt That's some good news here, Matt, because the Nationals have announced that they've actually signed their first, second, fourth, sixth, eighth round picks from this week's draft. Of course, that includes their first pick, Elijah Green, out of IMG Academy. It's been said that he's going to be in town to watch the Nats play, I think, next week. So that's exciting. They're going to get him pretty soon. Obviously, he's not going to be on the field, certainly not playing in the bigs anytime soon. But the fact that they're going to have him getting ready in a Nationals uniform they've got him signed and you know potentially if they do end up trading Soto this could be the start of of a new core for them
0: yeah absolutely the Nationals have actually really started accumulating a lot of very young talent with high upside not just Elijah Green here with this first round pick, but also last year's first round pick as well, Brady House, shortstop out of Georgia, he's 19 years old right now, and Christian Vaccaro, uh their outfield prospect out of the Dominican Republic, he's originally Cuban. Uh, he is considered to be a five-tool player. People within the Nationals organization very excited about him uh, and his skill set. You know, between those three guys, all between the ages of 17 and 19, it's going to take a while for those three players to reach the major leagues but uh, the Nationals hope that the three of them or at least a couple could form a a potential championship core for them down the line
1: yeah and and that would definitely be a few years off with the Nationals being 31-63 we mentioned that that's the worst record in Major League Baseball right now but we are getting ready for a game tonight 940 first pitch Nats are on the road at Arizona they play the Diamondbacks and I already mentioned how it's it's this whole saga, everything that's going on with Juan Soto, it's going to cast a huge shadow over the Nats as they try to play this game. You know, Juan Soto is always a guy, too, that I think wears his his heart on his sleeve a little bit. He, he likes to have fun out there, though, so I don't necessarily expect it to affect him. But with Corbin coming out here, it, it'd be nice to get a, a second half, a, a, a little bit of a positive start to that second half with Corbin, who's been really struggling ever since the conclusion of the 2019 season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Soto, literally just on Tuesday uh, or Monday with the Derby, I mean, spent all day answering questions from reporters about his uncertain future and then went out and won the home run Derby. I mean, he's, he's able to lock in when he's on the field in a way not a lot of people can. So I wouldn't be worried about Soto's production here starting the second half. Corbin, on the other hand, has had a very up-and-down season this year. He's shown flashes at certain points of maybe he's back to the way he used to be back in 2019. His velocities, particularly on his slider, is a little bit up from where it was the last two years, and that slider was a key pitch for him, but ultimately he's still giving up the long balls. He's still working into very deep counts, getting into high-pitch counts. He's given the Nationals, the innings they've needed this year, especially for a rebuilding team. They're really looking for some veterans to kind of carry this rotation, but the results just haven't been there, and contract really is looking like one of the worst in baseball.
1: Yeah, and, and that's obviously why they're trying to include him on any of these one-soto deals. Matt, what, before I let you go, I'm just curious for, for anybody listening out there that, that might be looking for a little bit of hope to, to go into the second half of this national season. Is, is there someone in particular that you think that the Nats could bring in or, or call up that, that might be someone to keep an eye on that could give them just a little bit of success, something to look forward to?
0: Absolutely. I do think that despite comments from Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez, we probably will see uh, Cade Cavalli, their top pitching prospect, up in the Major League this season. He's been in A Rochester this year and got off to a bit of a slow start, but really has started to hit his stride here in the last month and a half. Was selected for the Futures game, but had a, a bit of a finger issue that prevented him from pitching in that game. So overall, he should be back on the mound you know, this week. He's looked really filthy, looked like the guy that led the entire minor leagues in strikeouts last year and somebody that could be a potential building block for them moving forward. So, you know, if anybody is there to get excited about it, it's certainly him.
1: Kate Cavalli, that's the guy. Hopefully we see him in a Nationals uniform this season, but just going to have to kind of wait and see how things play out. The next couple of weeks are going to be absolutely bonkers. Matt, thanks so much for the time today. I will let you go. Enjoy the rest of your Friday night. Have a good weekend, man. Thanks for the time today. Absolutely, Danny. Anytime. That's Matt Wyrick, Nationals writer for NBC Sports Washington. Really appreciate him jumping on the horn, talking to little Nats with us. Again, you can find him on Twitter, at bye matt weirick yeah it's just an absolutely fascinating thing that we're watching unfold here you heard matt mention it pretty much at the top of our conversation these guys don't come available not with two and a half years left on their deal and and when you look at it that way it's it's maybe even more like what happened with trey turner than it is with bryce harper for for Juan soto but the comparisons really don't matter right i mean at the end of the day the, the Soto was the guy that they were supposed to not let this happen with, right? He was supposed to be the the best of these prospects, and not necessarily from the point that they acquired him in 2015, because he kind of came out of nowhere relative to someone like Victor Robles, who they touted as a very high highly rated prospect and a guy who hasn't really panned out, and now he is being talked about in in many of these trade scenarios. So it's just it's crazy to think about the. All the different things that could happen, right? Because, again, I don't... The, what I'm picking up on, the the what's available for the Nationals right now and the fact that I think as they should intelligently do, wait for a package that they feel is worth trading Juan Soto for, standing pat, well, what do those even look like? You know, and, and how many teams are in it? Because supposedly there's about seven, maybe even eight teams that have already submitted proposals But one of those teams is the Mets, and I just don't – the Nationals can't possibly be that stupid to trade him within the division where you're going to have to play him for the next – I mean, at least the next two and a half years if you were to trade him this year. But chances are Steve Cohen over there in Queens, for the Mets, he's going to be able to pony up that money and give him whatever he wants. That's what he's been doing. For anybody that that he deems that the Mets should try and go get to try and chase the World Series, they just made another another deal. Actually, that we can get you at the top of the the next hour. That the the Mets made to try and and continue their World Series push. They've got a two and a half lead, a uh, two and a half game lead in the division right now. So they're all in. They're they're absolutely going to go all in. But again, I, I can't imagine that that is how that would shake out. The Nats, there's no way they'd be willing to do it. And actually, there's a report from John Heyman today that said the Mets aren't even willing to part with their top three prospects. And you're not going to get one soda than anyth- for for anything less than that. So great segment. Thanks to Matt Weirich, Nats uh, beat writer for NBC Sports Washington. Appreciate his time. We'll come back hour, the first full hour of the show. Come back in the 7 o'clock hour. We've got plenty more to get to, more baseball, a little NFL to do as well. So stick around. You're listening to The Fan.